0: Opinions. Everybody's got one. You know the rest. The trick is finding one that's actually backed up by expert analysis and accurate information. The word is trust. And we've got plenty of it to go around. Get the winning edge. This is Sports Grid Radio on Sirius XM.
3: Welcome in everybody to the early line live right here on sports grid kevin walsh and donnie Wrightside with you on a wednesday morning donnie how are you doing good here on a wednesday as you said kevin and the
4: major league baseball season is over eight calendar months for major league baseball finally came to a crescendo last night also we're talking about some action taking place last night and by the way kevin football basically every single day of the week for the next month oh what a time to be alive
3: a beautiful, beautiful scene all around. We open it up with our 7-7 seven and seven top headlines. And as Donnie mentioned, we crowned the World Series champion, Atlanta Braves, who beat the Houston Astros 7-0 in Game 6 of the World Series in Houston. You love to see it, Donnie. A massive congratulations to an Atlanta Braves team that you told people as soon as we came around to the deadline and they kept making aggressive moves that they had what it take to not only win that division but make a run, and make a run they did.
4: Yeah, they certainly did. Great front office here. Great pitching down the stretch from some guys that you didn't expect it from. Max Freed last night goes on the mound and dominates in a big game after not pitching well for the past two games. Everything did come together for the Braves. And this wasn't one of those seasons where sometimes you look, Kevin, and you say to yourself, all right, uh, injuries, uh, they barely got by. And, boy, if this team was healthy, they wouldn't have won. I mean, you're going through the Dodgers. You're going through the Astros. You did it the hard way here, deservedly so. That's a really good baseball team. And let's also keep in mind, at the time, right around the middle summer, when the Braves were still floundering, and they lost probably the MVP of the National League in Ronald Acuna, and then survived that, also Ozuna, and then added some players at the deadline and won it all. That's a story. That, that is an absolute storybook ending for the Braves. Congratulations to that organization.
3: And to your point there, Donnie, the World Series MVP, not Freddie Freeman, not a Max Freed, but similar to the... A CS uh, MVP, which was Eddie Rosario, a player they acquired, Jorge Soler, wins World Series MVP. You and I following the action on In Play Sports tonight. Hit a baseball out of the stadium and pretty much in that moment locked up that award.
4: Yep, and I guess they're going to say, like we're never opening this stadium again because they actually hit a ball out and it was the opposite team. Remember way back when Albert Pujols knocked one onto the train tracks? This one actually went farther. But how about that? Jorge Soler, the World Series MVP in a trade deadline acquisition. But my favorite part about this, Kevin, if you take a look last night and you didn't know how the game would finish and you said, hey, the Braves are going to clinch this one in game six, Soler's going to homer, but also Freddie Freeman, I think mm-hmm. most people would say, "Aha." Freddie Freeman is your World Series MVP, but the simple fact that Solaire was up there and put the knockout punch out there—a three, excuse me, a three-run home run—what yeah. an amazing World Series here! I mean, fun stuff to watch here. And also, how about the Atlanta Braves, eleven to two home run advantage here, Kevin, in the six-game series? Woo! The big bats were down in Atlanta.
3: I guess you can win in the postseason with home runs. We'll break down the oh. World Series a little bit more in this hour. We transition, though to college football the first look at the committee's top 25 but more importantly their top four no cincinnati no ohio state yes oregon donnie who checks in now on FanDuel sportsbook with the fifth best odds to win the national championship
4: Yeah, we could probably talk about this college football ranking show for the next two hours. I'm also going to have maybe at the end of the show that little two-minute crossover before we hand it off to the morning after here, Kevin. I got to tell you, this one might be in the crosshairs, but the simple fact that Oregon is four, just so they are poking and prodding us here, so we'll watch next week, and they'll say, hey, you know what, let's move them back to six, see what happens, and the next week, We'll put him at number two after that. It's a wild ride here for college football, specifically this show, Kevin. I don't buy any of what's going on right now. Just give me the last show when all the ballot votes are in, and then I'll pay attention to it.
3: The odds were shifting, though, and we will break those down as we bring the radio audience into the fold. Appreciate all those listening. Right here to the early line on Sports Grid Radio and our new Sirius XM channel, one. 59. Kevin Walsh and Donnie right side with you on this Wednesday morning. How about in the NFL, Donnie, the trade deadline passes and Deshaun Watson remains a Houston Texan.
4: I can't believe everybody was sitting around waiting for the deadline. Like, man, there's gonna be some big time trades here. The shift of power in the NFL is going to take place and nothing absolutely happened here. And did we think Deshaun Watson was actually getting traded? My favorite part about this whole Deshaun Watson thing was... They finally gave permission for Deshaun Watson to talk to the Dolphins on Monday night. You didn't do it six months ago when maybe the Dolphins were interested. So did you think he was going to be able to settle every single thing out of court and also get traded to meet the compensation? Wild times in the NFL. He shouldn't be traded here. Let it play out. Put more bidders in there. It's simple to me, Kevin.
3: It's going to be a fascinating story to follow when the offseason rolls around. There's really not much to talk about until then, unless there is some concrete information about his legal standings. Unfortunately, another NFL story that involves legal standings sees the Raiders release their leading wide receiver, Henry Ruggs, after a fatal car crash that he was involved with, a DUI potentially facing felony charges. Donnie, the Raiders had to let go Henry Ruggs.
4: Yeah, the Raiders having a tough couple of weeks here. That was a strategy, but the only way you can do that, same thing with John Gruden. You let him go right away. Henry Ruggs, you're not waiting for any toxicology to come back. You're just cutting loose right now. It was the right thing for the Raiders to do. What a tragic situation.
3: Last two headlines here from the NBA. Chris Paul moves into sole possession of third all-time on the NBA's assist mark. Dropped 18 dimes in a comeback victory Ooh, against man. the New Orleans Pelicans and the Miami Heat are now 6 and 1 and dust the Dallas Mavericks 125 to 110 in their building. We talk world series next.
1: every time.
2: And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price.
1: Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.
3: Live here on a Wednesday morning on the awesome right side. Let's react to the world series the Atlanta Braves eliminate the Houston Astros in Houston winning this world series in six games a seven nothing final score Jorge Soler wins the world series MVP and I think Donnie this upcoming stat is perhaps the single best that really encapsulates this run for the Atlanta Braves the RBI leader for this series against Houston was a joint tie between Jorge Soler and Adam Duval in their series against the Dodgers their RBI leader was Eddie Rosario and in the opening series against the Milwaukee Brewers the RBI leader was Jock Peterson literally all four of the outfielders that this team brought in to help lift up and fill in for not only Acuna but Ozuna who was absent for this team as well every single series led the way for this team This organization nailed the deadline. These players stepped up when it mattered most. And this was one of those runs where it wasn't about just one player, Freddie Freeman, the star and a big story here. But this was as much of a team effort as we've seen, Donnie. But the key thing is this team didn't exist until the trade deadline. Incredibly impressive.
4: Yeah, and I think I read the stat, Kevin, that they spent almost like 100 and, you know, plus odd days at under 500 during the season, which is incredible, and end up winning the World Series and a legitimate World Series. Again, I kick you back to the point. They didn't get the easy road here. You had to beat some really good baseball teams on your way to taking it down. If you go through the Dodgers and the Astros, that should count as two World Series with two really good opponents to see. But you are so correct here. The versatility of that lineup, they added four outfielders at the deadline to replenish. And it wasn't as if it was... A, Los Angeles Rams, Kevin. We tried to equate it to the NFL. All in, right? couple first-round picks for Jalen Ramsey. Second and third here for Von Miller. Some more first-round picks for Matthew Stafford. Mm-hmm. They basically set the deadline. We have a shell of a pretty good team. Let me just see if I can give my guys a little bit of a push here. And they turned out to basically be all-stars down the stretch. So when you look at the teams that win the World Series, the Atlanta Braves, but look at the Houston Astros. You need your biggest guns to step up in the biggest moments here. Jose Altuve for the series, Kevin, 222. Carlos Correa, 261. Yorna Alvarez, 100. Alex Bregman, .095. You're paid to win on the biggest stage here, and they didn't perform. And yesterday, Kevin, in the game, as we had the odds boost that we actually hit, Freddie Freeman, who picked up a couple base hits, including a home run, but we needed Al Tube on the opposite side. Let's not forget his first at bat of the game, a slow bleeder to the left side that he barely beats. I was like, oh, now two is probably going to go for like three for five in this game. That was his only base hit. So sometimes taking down some of those (laughs) odds boost props here at the FanDuel Sportsbook, you need a little bit of a luck. But this was all about one team's big time players coming through, Kevin. The other one's a little bit lax. And that's why you get a six game series here and a world champion, Atlanta Braves.
3: And for the Houston Astros, Donnie, as you said here, bats went cold. At the absolute worst time imaginable. If you look at what that team did, scoring five or more runs in all but one of their games leading up to this matchup here with the Atlanta Braves and then proceeding here against Atlanta to be held to two runs in the opening game, shut out multiple times in their four losses and average of one run per game. This isn't a spot, Donnie, where losing a Lance McCullers, never getting a Justin Verlander back, it wasn't a situation where a washed Zach Granky came back to bite them. In, in some ways, sure, but they weren't losing baseball games nine eight seven six. Their offense disappeared, as you said, in the biggest stage, shut out multiple times. The first time a team was shut out in a series clincher since the Houston Astros lost, I believe, to the Chicago White Sox in the World Series.
4: Yeah, no, it's, it, was, it was a perfect performance by the Braves. Let's also take a look, Kevin, at the you know mindset of the Atlanta Braves, the mindset of the fan base here, right? You're taking a look at a seven-game World Series, and you say, okay, get your split on the road, which is perfect. They win the first two games at home, and you head to a game five. And the fact that, yes, we know the Astros won, But the way they won might have been the most damaging thing. You take a look at the grand slam home run in the first inning. This is going to be a blowout. victory. You blew that lead. Freddie Freeman then hits a solo home run. All right, we're back on track here still early in the game. Let's close this out and win. Because when you're looking at the twenty eight to threes in the Super Bowl and all those playoff runs that the Atlanta Braves had, only resulting in one world championship, which was back in nineteen ninety five, you were waiting on this. And yes, you could probably throw in the Georgia Bulldogs having some heartaches here in the national championship game. But as you take a look at how it progressed, wouldn't it have been easy here for the Atlanta Braves were like, man, we had this thing now we go got to go back to Houston the crowds back on their side and what happens if things go wrong early for us and you saw last night they were just about to go off the rails with that fluky play which we had two runners on nobody out where Michael Bradley mm-hmm. runs down the first baseline steps on Max Fried's ankle and it's called safe at first base there is no challenge in that instance but also keep in mind how lucky were the Braves as well That looked like it could have resulted in an injury to Max Freed where he can't pitch the rest of the game. And, Kevin, he was so dominant. Six innings pitched, no earned runs, six Ks, no walks. Can you imagine at that early stage of the game if Freed gets knocked out? It might be completely different, but then again it wasn't. And the Atlanta Braves won seven to nothing. They overcame a lot, including some mental challenges here. Credit to them. Mm
3: -hmm. And I think one of the interesting things is whenever a team wins – a, a championship, right? In the NBA, a Milwaukee Bucks team wins an NBA title, and a lot of people say, you know what? The NBA landscape is a little bit more open. Maybe it seems a little bit more willing to go for the Chicago Bulls, Donnie. Empties the tank and brings in as many pieces as possible. I wonder how many teams now, looking at Atlanta group, That was, as you mentioned, below 500, lost their best player. A guy, by the way, in Marcelo Zuna, who they lost, that was flirting with a triple crown during the shortened season just before. And I wonder how many of those teams now next year at the deadline will make that push for it. But you got to be honest. Atlanta didn't just say, hey, listen, I understand we're below 500. We got to go out and get after it. They were able to do that. Because of a New York Mets team that fell apart. And a Phillies team that couldn't pull away. And they knew they were always in the mix. They knew they were doing a disservice to their fans and to the rest of that roster not to make moves. And you spotted out a mile away, and I can't give you enough credit, for giving them the praise for all of their moves at the deadline. But, Donnie, it wasn't a scene where they were the talk of the deadline. It was the New York Yankees. It was The Los Angeles Dodgers, who they beat, bringing in Max Herzer and Trey Turner. Atlanta approached this deadline in one of the most fascinating ways we have seen a team approach it. Were rewarded with a World Series, and I always wonder how that now will influence teams moving forward in their roster construction and approach to competing at the highest level.
4: You're right, and take a look at also what they did. Acuna goes down. They go make a trade for Jock Peterson. And what were we all saying here, Kevin, at the time for Atlanta? I, I'm, all right. They, they probably just need an extra player in the outfield. They're, they're not going to be a, player, a buyer in the market. They're not going to win the World Series. You can't do it after losing your best baseball player. And the approach that they took was, well, let's go out and get Jock Peterson. If it doesn't work out over the next 10 days and we are just, you know, un, still under 500, not going to make a run, we can then flip Jock Peterson and get a piece for the future and we'll sell him off to a contender. Well, it turned out they made the move here. Jack Peterson gets reinvigorated, and they say, you know what? You're right. The Mets, they're leaky. The Phillies, they're leaky. Washington's done. We're not going to worry about the Miami Marlins. Why don't we just add a couple more pieces here? But let's not go all in. Let's not give up our top-pitching prospect arms and be like, hey, let's sell a bill of goods to our team and our city that we can actually win the World Series. Let's get some good baseball players, not spend a lot of money, and just see if we can make the playoffs. Because the old adage goes, Kevin, you can't win a World Series or a championship without making it to the playoffs. Then we'll see what happens. Mm-hmm. Every single thing worked out perfectly for the Braves, and they executed it flawlessly at the deadline.
3: The Atlanta Braves, the defending World Series champions, have new odds to win the 2022 World Series at a 14 to 1 price. Half the number or double the number, I should say, the team they beat, the Astros, who are 7-1. We will, at the top of our number two, talk about those updated 2022 World Series odds where some of these teams land. But once again, it is the Atlanta Braves that take down the 2021 World Series. After this quick break, we come back and react to the college football playoff committee's initial top 25 rankings.
1: every time.
2: And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price.
1: Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.
3: Live here on SiriusXM Channel 159. Kevin Walsh from Donnie Wrightside side as we react to the initial college football playoffs top 25 ranking. This was a delight to watch come in yesterday because I still in my youthful exuberance reacting Uh to every misplaced team. Oh, curmudgeon right side saying none of this matters. Wake me up when they actually put in the final four teams. But it did impact some odds yesterday, Donnie. On the FanDuel Sportsbook. And I believe the most notable team that was impacted were the Oregon Ducks, who went from 50 to 1 to 30 to 1 to win the national championship. A team at one point that I believe was better than 7 to 1 for the Yes to make the college football playoff. Still a plus price at plus 270. But I think what was my big takeaway from their ranking at 4 is that Oregon controls. Their own destiny, which I wasn't sure was going to be the case. I thought they might have found themselves jumped by an Ohio State in front of an Oklahoma, even a Cincinnati. So I asked the question to you, Donna: when you see Oregon check in at four in these rankings, do they control their own destiny? No, they don't and it's just up to the
4: people that put this show on TV who's controlling people's destiny because if this was a hard and fast thing and say okay week 9 college football playoff rankings here Oregon is 4 if they went out they're guaranteed to be four or higher that is not the case here because let's just say for all intents and purposes you know Georgia or whoever it could be anybody in the top 10 let's wake forest 8 and 0 they went out In 3 weeks they could be number 4 above Oregon and Oregon slips back to 5 So the whole fact of the matter is, until the last show, none of this makes sense. But I can see where the betting markets will move. Because in theory, Kevin, you are correct. Hey, Oregon's four. They went out. There's no way they can drop down. But why are they four to begin with? Because the committee said this week, and then they have the rabbit ears up and the radars. I'm like, oh, man, people don't like Oregon number four. Let's put them at six next week and see what the people say about that. Because nobody gets in trouble, and nobody's held to this week nine playoff ranking. The only one they're held Mm. to, Kevin, where they're going to get the scrutiny is the last one. So in theory, A, Oregon's probably got the best win of anybody in college football, particularly on the road, going to beat Ohio State in the horseshoe. But the fact is, just because they're number four, they don't control anything right now. The only thing that controls that is the people that are moving the markers up and down for the TV show each week. Outside of that, it's
3: very fluid. I think it's fair to say, ultimately, it's not as if being placed four in the initial rankings. They always love to make the point. The first top four is never the final top four means that they are guaranteed to get in. But I guess the point that I'm making is if Oregon proceeds to go out there and win the remainder of their games by three touchdowns, they're going to be in the college football playoff. They just are. And I wasn't sure that was going to be the case coming into these initial rankings. Donnie, both you and I did our rankings yesterday. Oregon, not in either one of our top fours. In fact, uh, I had Oregon at the five spot. So still up there with some respect. But I had them in front of an Ohio State. And that head-to-head victory still clearly being valued. But to be fair and to your point, if Alabama beats Georgia, we know both of those teams will be in, assuming there are no other losses elsewhere on their schedule. Ohio State has the ability to jump Oregon, you would still believe, because they play a Michigan State and a Michigan and a Big Ten title game that will probably offer a significantly higher quality of win than what Oregon has on their schedule. The other team, though, Donnie, from the Power Five conference that is worth bringing up, and it's not the Demon Deacons, despite their unbeaten record. is The ACC is a joke, but it's the Oklahoma Sooners who came in at eight in this poll, eight. For an unbeaten team, Donnie, that opened the season number two, AP Top 25, no doubt about it, but still opened the season at number two. Oklahoma, though, still plays a Baylor team that checked in at 12 and an Oklahoma State team that checked in at 11 on the road. What did you make, Donnie, of Oklahoma checking in here at the eighth spot on these rankings? Still a minus 174 price to make the CFP.
4: Yeah, it's amazing because if you take a look at the two wild cards here, and it's just the way college football is setting up because that Wake Forest team at 8-0, and technically for us coming into the season, should be who? Clemson sitting there at 8-0 and and probably number one or number two, but they're not, and it's Wake Forest. Now parlay that off because we take a look, and we'll talk Cincinnati in a minute, You know, outside the Power Fives, a group of five mm-hmm. teams, right? Hey, we should be in the Power. It's not really the case here, but take a look. What is the scenario going to be at the end of the season? Because these are legitimate, Kevin. Oklahoma runs the table and wins the Big 12. They're unbeaten. Mm-hmm. Wake Forest, who hasn't really played anybody, but they keep winning, and quite frankly, they're not going to play anybody, as it seems, all the way through to the ACC championship game. So you're going to tell me, in unbeaten Oklahoma in a Power 5 conference, in unbeaten Wake Forest in a Power 5 conference, We're leaving them out of the final rankings here if they run the table. I can't say it. I am rooting so much for this. But what I make of Oklahoma is Oklahoma more talented than Wake Forest. Yes, they're more talented. If Oklahoma played Wake Forest, I think Oklahoma would win that football game. Yes, I actually do. But the fact is they don't play, and they can't play unless they both make it into the playoff. If they're both undefeated,
3: Kevin, they're both getting in. Quick sidebar is once again, and it's been proven time and time again, they need to extend the college football playoff. The notion that eight teams is too many is an absolute joke when you have a power five unbeaten team who doesn't check into the top eight. You have a powerhouse like a Notre Dame sat there. One lost big 12 teams like Oklahoma State and Baylor rounding out a top 12. Donnie and I have told you this all season long. I've told you this for years. I'm sure DRS has done the same. It is an absolute joke that anybody suggests that they should just stick with four anybody out there who says bring the bcs back looking at you host (laughs) of tma should absolutely tuck that take because it's a horrible one with that being said there are two more key notes here we'll get to cincinnati in a minute i know a lot of people want to talk bearcats i want to talk about alabama Donnie. number two in the college football playoff committee's opening rankings and a lot of people's reaction was oh, wow, two-loss Alabama can get into the CFP. And I am here to tell you, no, they cannot. Two-loss Alabama would mean they lose to Georgia, who will then be number one. If you are under the impression that the CFP is going to just run back the SEC title game, which, by the way, Bama would be for... They ain't losing by three and then checking in as the second or third team in the country. You are mistaken. Bama needs to beat Georgia. Now, incredibly, if they do, they will end up number one in the college football playoff. But the avenue for two-loss Bama to get in is not hang with Georgia. It's Oregon to keep losing OU to lose twice. Ohio State to fumble the bag. They might need help from a Notre Dame team that could very well find themselves in the mix. Cincy to lose to SMU. The help that 2 lost Bama would need is boundless. They do not get in, Donnie, if they lose to Georgia. You're right, and it
4: would be chaos for them to get back in. But having said that, if they make it all the way to the SEC Championship game and lose to Georgia, if I'm on the playoff committee... I'm still putting Alabama in. Isn't that the games that we want to see, though? Don't we want to see the best football conference? I used to joke, Kevin, during the pandemic with COVID where it wasn't sure like certain leagues were playing. And the SEC said at the very outset of it, we don't care what happens. We're taking the field. And I remember contemplating that decision going, take a look at this. All we're going to get is SEC football, and I'm 100% fine with this because it's the best league by far in the country. Put as many SEC teams into this playoff, and we can all eat, which again brings it into it. You're worried about Alabama because I like to watch Alabama play, not because I'm a fan, because they're a good football team. And every year they compete for a championship. Nick Saban, they send endless players into the NFL. But this, Kevin, is exactly why you need 8 to 12 teams getting in the playoff because if Alabama runs the table, you know, still with the one loss, but gets to the SEC championship game and loses 24-21 on a late field goal, Don't you want to see Alabama in an 8- or 12-team playoff to try to make a run? Oh, it cheapens it. And it's not fair to Georgia. They already won. They shouldn't see it. No. What what kind of concept is that? Because you can play in the NFL, win your division, beat a team twice. They can still get the wild card. That's not fair Mm -hmm. to the Dallas Cowboys if the Eagles, who they beat twice already in the regular season, could beat them in the playoffs. Welcome to the real world here when you're making a run at a championship. I need to see more teams in, but I would love Alabama to somehow get in there. Why? Because, yes, They are the second-best team in the country, even if they lose to Georgia in the SEC final.
3: Imagine a world where people said we need to trim down the college basketball tournament because Kentucky can lose early-season games and still find their way in, a preposterous take that simply no one, with any credibility, would bring to the table. I will push back, though, on the notion that Bama still is clearly the second-best team in the country. The one thing about Alabama is their resume is not as strong as typically an Alabama would be by beating SEC-level competition. Again, they lost to A&M. Florida is nowhere to be found. The U, even less to be found. Tennessee is not ranked. Yes, they beat Ole Miss, and somehow this Mississippi State team is inside a top 25. That is wild to me. Bama absolutely blasted that group, but they are also not a top 25 team in the country. I think Ohio State can make that argument for a second best team. I think even an Oklahoma team led by Caleb Williams, but they will certainly play out the games. As I said, we will get to Cincinnati because they perhaps somehow are the biggest story of the college football playoff. Was Cincinnati done dirty? By the committee, checking in at six overall. Talk about markets moving. Their odds to make the college football playoff move quite a bit after those rankings. We'll react to that in a little bit more in our next segment. Keep it going.
2: And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price.
1: Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.
3: We saved the best for last. Actually, no, we saved the sixth team in the country for last. The Cincinnati Bearcats, Donnie. Left out of the top four, it's almost like that AP top 25 poll lost its complete mind having the Cincinnati Bearcats at the number two spot. I will say, and I understand again that Donnie would prefer them just to give us the rankings the final day of the season. But this is yeah. why the committee doesn't drop rankings until November. So they don't then become beholden to nonsensical preseason rankings that mean absolutely nothing because these people who rank these teams before the preseason seemingly don't know anything. But that's not a Sean. It's just the way things work out. Nevertheless, Cincinnati is six. Donnie, this team, and I said there were a couple of spots that had key moves on the FanDuel Sportsbook after the rankings. This team was a minus 120 to miss the college football playoff. After yesterday, a minus 235 to miss the CFP. Donnie, were Cincinnati done dirty.
4: Yeah, it seems illegal. Like, you know, you can't pump like penny stocks on Twitter and scream and say everybody get invested in this and then sell out as soon as everybody gets invested. That's what it seems like is going on right now with the college football playoff rankings because you're Right. Cincinnati did nothing wrong. They are an 8-0. and oh. Most people were thinking coming into this like, Cincinnati's got to be in the top two or three, right, or at least four, no doubt, because they did beat Notre Dame on the road. They're unbeaten. You can't put Alabama, who's lost one game. Oregon has lost one game. Ohio State has lost one game above them. But yet they did that. But here's the shell game that goes on. Because let's also include this, Kevin. The college football playoff is how many teams? There's four teams. You're telling me we just had a show that lists the top 25 why are we showing Pittsburgh, San Diego State, Fresno, Iowa, Wisconsin, and Minnesota? <laughs> like it's just like fodder for the TV when it makes absolutely no sense. And also, if I am on the playoff committee, you know what I showed that game last night or show the show with last night? Give me the top four teams, and I show nobody else, and I let everybody in the dark. <laughs> well, who's five? Who's seven? Who's seven? <laughs> like you want to spend widespread panic out of where those teams rank? That's what I have done. But back to the Cincinnati point. They did move down. This is no fault of their own. And both myself and Kevin think Cincinnati is a very quality football team and deservedly so being in the college football playoff, but not in the top four. Top eight, absolutely. Top 12, certainly they will be in. Because I know we get wrapped up in the little engines that could and do all this stuff. But trust me, whenever the playoff is, which every once in a while it ends on, it starts on New Year's Eve, which is ridiculous. Are you going to stay home to watch a Cincinnati Cincinnati college playoff game or are you going to stay home to watch a Ohio State or a Alabama or a Georgia or an Oklahoma playoff game instead? Money moves these ratings here. And there's a reason why Cincinnati is out at six. But also let's keep in mind, they're out at six not because we don't just like Cincinnati as a football team. They're a group of five team. Drop Cincinnati into the SEC this year, and you tell me if they're going to be 8-0 and at this point. Absolutely not. That's the only way you can look at it, even though, Kevin, it's technically not fair. They're unbeaten. They beat everybody on the schedule. Their big game was supposed to be at Indiana. Who, Indiana stinks this year. They weren't supposed to. Notre Dame, who they beat, still only has one loss, and that one loss was to Cincinnati. This is the exact reason why we need an expanded playoff because Cincinnati, again, is going to do nothing wrong
3: and not make the playoff. Here is the thing, though, Donnie, is and – and, and all of the money stuff is real, right? But there is also – Reasons to have them behind both Ohio State and Alabama that come with plenty of integrity. See, this is where sports betting can actually really help you assess quality of win and quality of loss. Alabama, as an 18 and a half point favorite, lost by three, losing basically on a point spread by 21 and a half. Ohio State lost to Oregon as a 14 and a half point favorite by seven basically losing on a point spread by 21 and a half. Cincinnati beat Navy by seven as a 28 and a half point favorite, losing on the point spread by 21 and a half. Quite literally, beating Navy by seven is the same as losing to Oregon or Texas A&M because Navy is horrible a two and six team okay that is the reality for Cincinnati you don't just get in the top four because you're unbeaten people upset that UTSA wasn't in the top 25 Donnie honestly makes a good point who cares if they are 22 27 or 12 like they're not getting into a college football playoff but folks you don't just get unbeaten. they don't win the top four unbeaten teams It's about who you play. It is about the resume. The resume doesn't stack up. They entered the season playing what people thought were two real teams. And one of them was Indiana. So they played (coughs) one real team. Folks, Cincinnati is where they belong. That's the reality of the situation on them. I look forward to the next edition of the College Football Rankings. I know Donnie does not. We transition, though to a little bit more hot or not situations because there's a quarterback rumor conversation being had in New Orleans or perhaps not being had in New Orleans around a retired slash not retired quarterback. I, I don't really know the status of one Phillip Rivers, but I know he's apparently interested in coming to New Orleans. The perfect situation that he wanted. Let a contender call my phone in the back end of the season, and I'll come in and save the day. So, Donnie, hot or not, the New Orleans Saints should sign Phillip Rivers. This is the biggest not of the day today,
4: and it's not because that if you're watching right now saying, how can this guy who looks like Phillip Rivers actually deny Phillip Rivers a chance to get back in the NFL? Well, I am going to do that here. Did you watch last year with Phillip Rivers and the Colts? He performed admirably, getting older, getting up in age. There's a reason why the Colts went out and said, let's get a franchise guy, or at least we get a hopefully a franchise guy in Carson Wentz. Younger, mobile, bigger arm. They would have just had Phillip Rivers back again this year. So the fact that Phillip Rivers sends the smoke signals out, hey, any contenders out there, you want to call me, let me know. Let's also remember the same thing just took place in New Orleans, Kevin. You had a guy, one of the most prolific passers in the history of the NFL in Drew Brees. You know what the Saints did behind the doors? Love you, kid. We're going to retire your jersey. You're on the way to the Hall of Fame. Mm-hmm. But you're not coming back here, so you might as well retire at this point. Remember the workout videos? Like, oh, man, if they just give me the go here. look, oh, Drew Brees is working out hard. And behind the Saints, you're like, hey, you can stop working out now. We're not bringing you back at this time. Because <laughs> why? You get older. Your arm deteriorates. You're not as explosive. It's the same thing with Phillip Rivers. I'm not so sure right now that Drew Brees actually has a better arm overall than Phillip Rivers does. And you can't just parachute him. This isn't a 27-year-old kid that I'm going to learn on the fly. I'm really athletic. I'll make it happen here. This is an older, aging quarterback in a brand-new system that you know what would happen. We'll sign him. We'll put him in there. Uh Uh-oh. Ankle injuries. Knee is flaring up. Arm doesn't look great. And it ends in flames here. There's a reason Phillip Rivers is not playing football in the NFL right now. And no, absolutely not. The New Orleans Saints should be signing him at this time to make a playoff push. I'd rather go with Taysom Hill and dare I say – Trevor Simeon it is what it is
3: a Trevor Simeon appreciation on the early line I didn't expect to see such a thing see this is where the Saints are fascinating they are a minus 340 favorite to make the NFL playoffs if you look at the state of the NFC whether it is Taysom Hill Trevor Simeon or Phillip Rivers it'd be very surprising quite honestly If they didn't make the playoffs, they've already said they're not interested in Cam Newton. I am not a believer in Taysom Hill at all. Not one bit, not even a little. And Trevor Simeon being the starting quarterback for a team that, again, is supposed to make the playoffs feels like a white flag. I think, Donnie, what you're saying about Philip Rivers is fair. I don't think I'd pick this team to win a Super Bowl, win a conference even. But I think I like their chances a little bit more with Phillip Rivers than the rest of these guys here. At the end of the day, Phillip Rivers last year, if you are a passer rating guy, finished 13th in the regular season. Completed near 70% of his passes. Again, an Indianapolis team that had great protection up front. Not overwhelming overwhelming weapons, but a solid system. Put Phillip Rivers in New Orleans with Sean Payton. I expect adequate production. And ultimately as well, Donnie, he doesn't get to burn his arm out the first 10 weeks of the season. Because as you're very right to point out, super old. Not a ton of arm strength. It was always fun to watch Drew Brees throw 40-yard touchdown packs weeks one through five. And then it was like, whew, all right, enough of that. Check down Kamara, check down Kamara, check down Kamara. At the end of the day, Donnie, with the way this team is on the defensive side of the football, and again, in a head coach in Sean Payton that I really believe deserves a ton of praise. I think last year arguably could have won coach of the year and probably should be higher in this year's coach of the year ranking, certainly in front of someone like Brandon Staley. I think they have a much better chance to win with Phillip Rivers. So to me, I think it's hot because I think they have a better chance to win with Phillip Rivers.
4: I see where the point comes in, but I just don't know if he can learn that new system, pick it up, and be effective enough to actually move forward. Now, also, you could throw a wrench in this one and say, all right, what's the aspirations for the Saints to make the playoffs? Maybe they can get there. What's more important about the future? Jameis Winston goes down with a knee injury. We don't know when he's coming back. He probably isn't even going to start the season next year if you had plans mm-hmm. for Jameis Winston coming back and being the starter. Probably going to be a free agent. Who knows what's going to happen? But Taysom Hill, the same way we talk about Teddy Bridgewater and Drew Locke, we know Teddy's not the future in Denver, right? We think Drew Locke isn't, but we don't know yet. So we'd rather see him play and then find okay, final decision, he can't play. So if you're taking a look at the Saints now, almost similar to Tua lower down in Miami and what they did last year with Ryan Fitzpatrick, you gotta let the kid sink or swim. Nine games left in the season if he's healthy this week. Taysom, I'm not even gonna bench you the rest of the year. Trevor Simeon will be the backup. You're going to start. Make the playoffs great. Provided that you are a franchise quarterback, we know more clarity about our future. But if you can't play, you always have a home here as being the gadget guy, the Swiss Army knife in our back foot. We'll go find another quarterback. Sometimes I think the bigger picture here makes more sense. Let it roll with Taysom Hill. Let's find out if he can be a franchise guy. If not, you know exactly what his role is on the football team. But if you bring in Phillip Rivers and say, eh, let's ride this out, you're still at ground zero at the end of the year with who your franchise guy is going to be.
3: I don't think there's any world in which Taysom Hill plays any level of football that suggests he is a franchise quarterback. I think we saw that in the three games they played last year with Taysom Hill as their starter. I, I don't see anywhere that that's the the end goal. Perhaps the worst part of it all, Donnie, for a New Orleans team that has you know, impressive victories over both the Bucks and the Packers is the fact that this team maybe could have gone out there and made a legitimate run with Jameis Winston as their quarterback. But to be fair as well, Donnie, They weren't getting great football out of Jameis Winston. Good enough. Really confined within a system. And again, that's where I make the case for Phillip Rivers. It's just a good veteran hand. Like this is pro wrestling. A Bobby Fish of the world, right? A good, solid veteran that can steady the ship. Not Taysom Hill. Not Trevor Simeon. You want to get Ian Book in the mix. I mean, we'll have a different conversation, Donnie. But perhaps they just really blew an opportunity at the deadline to not try and make a bigger splash at the quarterback position.
4: No, and they, maybe they should have here because they did have some options on the table. But also, Kevin, we need a quarterback that can produce on the field. But then again, if a quarterback that can cut promos and do shoot videos, it might be something we'd be interested in, though.
3: Listen, you get a quarterback that can hit a clean DDT, and all of a sudden we're signing max (laughs) extensions. That's really what I think the New Orleans Saints have been missing this whole time. We're coming up against the break here on the early line. Right after the fact, though, let's talk about the updated odds to win Offensive Player of the Year. That's next. One more segment to go before we hit our number two of the early line. Derrick Henry's injury left a massive void on the Tennessee Titans, but also in the odds to win Offensive Player of the Year, a clear favorite for Derrick Henry. But now there is a new clear favorite. And, Donnie, that is Cooper Cup at plus 130. The next closest player, Devontae Adams, 14 to 1. Kyler Murray, Josh Allen, 16 to 1. Everybody else is 25 to 1 or longer. Hot or not? Cooper Cup will win Offensive Player of the Year. You know, I
4: thought there was a reason why we went NFL Offensive Player of the Year Award instead of the MVP. But then I realized, Kevin, as you take a look here, I mean, most people aren't really on the bandwagon in Buffalo just yet the way I am. So I'll be fine talking about the NFL Offensive Player of the Year Award. And it should be Cooper Cup. It's plus 130. He is dominating. I mean, take a look at what he's actually done on the season. When you say, like, oh, he's not really a deep threat. 924 yards on the season. Put that in perspective. Who's the ultimate deep threat here? Tyreek Hill, 735, 63 catches that Cup has, 64 for Tyreek Hill, and he has just about hundred, excuse me, 200 more yards. How about touchdowns? Tyreek Hill with six, 10 touchdowns for Cooper Cup. You think, oh, he's he working over the middle. 15 catches this year of 20 yards or longer. Tyreek Hill, only seven. Amazing performance here. Absolutely Cooper Cup. If he stays on this pace, is he going to catch 2,000 yards on the season? My goodness,
3: Kevin. Donnie and the people of Buffalo never cease to amaze me. See, the interesting thing, though, Donnie, on Cooper Cup, put the jersey away, man, is he is on pace for one of the single greatest wide receiver seasons of all time. Certainly benefited by the 17-game season, but Donnie, on pace for 134 catches. That'd be top five in a single season. 100, 1,964 yards, which would tie Calvin's single-season record, and 21 touchdowns, which would be only the third wide receiver, along with Jerry Rice and Randy Moss, to have a 20-touchdown season at the wide receiver position. Yeah, this is Cooper Cup with the trajectory that sees Han. Coming up next is our number two.